Welcome to Deal Shredders. We are your hosts, David and Greg. We are local Nashville investors, cash buyers, and real estate agents who love to analyze your deals. Welcome to Deal Shredders, episode 13 with Michael Lush, the founder of Replace Your Mortgage. His program will have you paying off your home in five to seven years, and there's so many strategies you can use with real estate investing. I've used this myself, and I hope you find the same value I do. Welcome, Michael Lush. Deal Shredders, episode 13. Take two with Michael Lush from Replace Your Mortgage, man. I am so excited to have you today. Thank you for coming back on the show to you know, kind of make up for what happened last week, but we're back, man. And I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. We, we didn't blow off this Friday and go to the bar like we did last Friday. So. No. no, we could have though. We could have come up with a different excuse. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So David, um, Michael has been, he started off as a, mortgage lender in the residential world is that kind of where this started tell me a little bit about where it started and kind of where you yeah. came up with this and tell us a little it was pretty much right after college i had a buddy that um he was working for a company in the subprime world um that was the ninth largest lender and i didn't know what a mortgage was i didn't own a home i was renting at the time and he said, you know, I think you would be really good at this. And uh, I said, I, I have no idea what it's all about. And then he showed me some commission checks, like some, you know, what some of the folks were making. And I was like, well, I'll learn pretty quick. Right. So, I can figure this out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll figure it out real quick. And um, I remember interviewing and I just said, you know what, if the commission checks are real, then I need to land this job. So I made a bold statement in an interview. And I told the senior vice president at the time, I said, look, if you hire me, I promise you that I will be the best decision you made all year. And he's like, okay, I like that. And, and I had nothing to back it up. I had no knowledge or anything. And, uh, you know, went through training and fast forward a year into it. Um, I was named newcomer of the year for the ninth largest lender in the country at the time. And I had no idea. I, I just, I was like, I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to compete with everyone in this office. And there were some our office in Charlotte, North Carolina was, uh, you know, about a hundred loan officers deep and we had some you know, big time heavy hitters. So I'm just trying to compete with them. And then, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, he pointed out that I was newcomer of the year. Um, so, uh, you know, some people look at that or, or that were involved in that. It's like, man, you know, you did exactly what you said. That was one of those situations where I just, I threw something out there, put my back up against the wall and miraculously did what I said I was going to do. Um, so that started my mortgage journey and I was solely indoctrinated and educated by what they taught me. I didn't know any different. And one of the things that they explained to me was that a HELOC on your home is no different than a credit card and you want to pay that off. And it, it took some, uh, quite a while. It took nine years for me to understand why I was educated that way, because the more we paid off and the more we consolidated, the bigger the loan amount was. And at the time, prior to Frank Dodd, you know, the bigger the loan amount and the higher the interest rate, the more we got paid. So that was one of the reasons for consolidation. It's not the only reason, but that was one of the reasons for consolidating credit cards, car loans, home equity lines of credit. So I was always told that a home equity line of credit against your home was no different than a credit card. Credit cards are bad, right? Well, 
you know, that, that's fine if you're at the lower three to four tax brackets, but if you're at the higher top two to three tax brackets, you understand that the power of utilizing other people's money. And it wasn't until 2009, actually that company uh, went bankrupt on my birthday in 2007. I was in Charlotte. We had a hundred loan officers. What's that? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Laid everybody off, but yeah, it was, um, probably July, we were doing, you know, 450 to 500 units a month. And in that world, you know, that that's, you're spanking it. You're doing, you're doing some big numbers uh, because again, the commissions are big. So you didn't have to do as many units as the loan officers nowadays have to do. You could do, you know, three, four units and make 40 grand a month uh, because the commissions were structured entirely different. And in July, we were doing 450 to 500 units. And I had rose to the ranks, you know, to the point where I was a senior manager with the company at this point. And um, so in July, 450, 500 units. And it was probably 45 days later, we were scratching to do 60. And eventually, you know, we got the news from the, and we were publicly traded. And we got the news from the CEO that, hey, we're going to shut down. So they shut down. I'm living in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I have no family. I've got friends, uh, but no family. And decided to, to move back to Tennessee. Um, my family owned a farm uh, here in Tennessee, had a vacant house, and I needed free rent at the time. Because although I had stockpiled about a year's worth of expenses, uh, I was also investing that, thinking that money's going to come easy, right? I'll just jump right back into it, make the same kind of money. So I'm getting into real estate. I actually was investing in a golf course community out in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I was going through my retirement pretty quick and uh, I needed a, a free place to stay. So I stayed at a vacant house on our farm and it was probably eight months later that the CEO called and said, hey, what are you up to these days? And I told him what I was doing and I'd actually jumped back into the mortgage industry. I was a mortgage broker, needed a paycheck. So get back into the mortgage business. And, and he said, look, we're starting back up this time. We're not subprime. We're only doing government loans. Uh, do you want to head up operations in Nashville? I said, absolutely. And where they got the money was actually from a hedge fund. So this hedge fund, the, the, this, the guy who was managing partner of the hedge fund was uh, headquartered out of Connecticut, but his parents lived in Clarksville, Tennessee. So huh. periodically he would fly into Nashville uh, to go visit his parents. And he would stop by my office to check up on things, but also to kind of mentor me. And I knew this at the time he was hundreds of millions of net worth. Uh, now he's a billionaire. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just said, there's, I've got to figure out a way to be a, a confidant to him, somebody he can rely on, you know, not just because he indirectly owns this company through his hedge fund. So I'd reach out to him and said, look, you know, you, you're rubbing shoulders with people that I, I really need to figure out, you know, what makes them tick. And, you know, if they're doing mortgages, they're doing big mortgages and big mortgages are big paychecks. So we can kind of scratch each other's backs here. If you can kind of refer those folks to me, well, you know, you make money and I make money. And he said, that, that's fine. He said, but I'll just be honest with you. Most of the folks that I associate with, they don't do mortgages. And I said, yeah, let me guess. You, you pay cash for everything. He said, no, absolutely not. We don't pay cash for everything especially real estate. So that's when he explained the HELOC strategy with me very briefly, about 10 minutes. He said, unfortunately, you just don't have a product. So it doesn't make sense for you to, for me to refer you to the folks that, that you're wanting to be referred to. 
And I set off on a journey for about a year to honestly try to prove him wrong because what he explained to me meant that what I'm offering, actually one of the phrases he used is this financial crack to middle America. And I didn't want to be the dope dealer. Hmm. So I'm trying to figure out a mathematical strategy where a mortgage made more sense to, to his clientele than a home equity line of credit. And the more I tried to prove him wrong, the more I proved him right. And I dove in, me and my wife, I remember the look on my, my wife's face when I told her in 2012. And she's like, that sounds crazy. And I said, I understand. I said, but just trust me here. I've kind of done a lot of digging. I hired a CPA and an actuary, kind of dig through this and, and everything's checking out. So I want to do this myself. So I did it myself. And it was in 2014, I had a marketing mentor, uh, still do, his name's Jimmy Harding, great marketing guy, uh, even better person. Um, but he, you know, at the time he was helping mortgage companies with marketing and I, I was running a mortgage company. So I'd reached out to him for some different websites and, you know, how to drive traffic to our website and, and get more leads. And he had interviewed me um, to explain how I build branches. Cause at the time I was building you know, large branches. Um, I had a roughly 60 loan officers in Nashville and we were, wow. we were pumping out some pretty serious volume. And so he wanted to interview me on how to build successful mortgage branches. And it was one of those mundane interviews where I'm just going through the motions. And I didn't know this until after he had told, called me after the fact. He's like, you're kind of going through the motions. But one question he asked is, is look, there might not be anything new under the sun when it comes to the mortgage industry. But if there's this one golden nugget that you could share with folks, what is it? And just in a split second, I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll, it, this is kind of cutting my own throat. This is shoot myself in the foot. But I'll explain what I have been doing for the last two years uh, while I'm offering a mortgage, which is counterintuitive, right? So I explain it. And after the interview, he calls me. He's like, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but I definitely noticed it. And I promise you that the listeners noticed it, that as you're explaining how to build a mortgage branch, you didn't have a whole lot of energy, but when you started explaining that one golden nugget of how people can pay their home off on average of five to seven years with, without changing their budget, <laughs> uh, your energy level spiked. I can tell you're passionate about it. You're very knowledgeable about it. He said, I think you need to build a business around that. We can start off as a side hustle, but you know, let, let's go there. And that was in 2014. So early 2014, I you know, travel down to Boca Raton to hang out with him for three or four days. And he's just mapping everything out, how to do Facebook ads, how to do a website, you know, biggest thing is how to create a course, how to teach this. And, you know, what people don't realize that, you know, there's so many folks online that will pay for what you have in your head. I, I truly believe that there's so many people out there that have value in their head. If they could just figure out how to put it in a program that other yeah. people can digest easily and quickly, people will pay for that, right? Well, that, that's the, go ahead. That, no, that's wonderful. I mean, you, you brought up a good point because I have a lot of clients, for instance, that first time home buyers within the last three years, they're right at the perfect time. And I'm explain, I'm trying to explain these to, and I can't really get across. How would you explain it to, you know, somebody who is, works a full-time job, it would be perfect for them. How do you explain it to that type of, per that those first-time home buyers? 
the easiest way to explain it is you do not have to finance your home on a mortgage. We have been taught that. We have been institutionalized that. It, it really, what I teach is not new. People think, okay, well, this is some kind of gimmick. It's something right. new. It's not new. It's extremely old. It's actually it's older. one of the oldest. Exactly. It, it's a form of Austrian. It's like economics. a whole life. It's like whole life insurance. Right. Yep. So utilizing a open end line of credit to finance real estate is older than the modern day mortgage. The modern day mortgage doesn't didn't arise until after 1913. That was always called a mortgage. It just didn't have the same components. So after 1913, you can imagine what happened in 1913. Some people say the you know war. It was actually the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the backstop, as we see in today's climate, is the backstop for banks. And it gives right. banks the ability to execute what's called fractional reserve lending. So the banks got together and said, okay, this is a very powerful tool, fractional reserve lending. For every dollar we get in deposits, we have $10 to lend out. So how do we get more deposits? Well, they changed a mortgage because at the time, a lot of folks were utilizing their mortgage as their checking account, especially farmers. They were putting money in when they needed it. They would take money out. They would sell their crops, just put it in, the needed equipment, yep. take it out. Right. And it was simple interest recasting every single day automatically for free. And it was just an easy way. We probably heard the stories of our grandfathers and great-grandfathers that they didn't pay on a home for 30 years or 40 years. They, right. they paid their home off in 10 years uh, easily. So one, it was a better generation. I'll, I'll admit that. They were more disciplined than we are today. Uh, they didn't have an issue with, with sweat, equity, and hard work. Or today, you know, it, it's a different type of work. Or some folks just feel entitled that they don't have to work. But uh, it was a far more efficient tool. So I will hand it to them. Once the banks got together and said, we need to figure out a way to segregate money, that's when they developed the modern day mortgage. Right. Where money went in and could not easily come out, which right. forced you to segregate your money and then the banks were waiting with open arms saying, hey, all that that you're wanting to set aside for all your other bills, utilities, expenses, we'll put in our, our deposits and our coffers, which yep. again, accelerates the fractional reserve lending. Yep. So back to your question. I don't think that answered your question. I just went into a history well, lesson. Go back a little. Yeah, but having the history there, you have hmm. to know that to kind of set yourself up. Like, so just for instance, for everybody knows, like on your platform, all your backend videos I watched mm -hmm. every single one of them and it's like, it's like a light bulb and a light bulb. And now I fully understand it. So that backstory is very important. So yeah, kind yeah, of, go kind back of and just explain it. it to me. If we're at a bar and you just want to tell me real quick, man, what do you do? Yeah. So to condense it, what we do is we educate folks on a more efficient way to finance real estate. And you do not have to do it with a mortgage. You could do it with a home equity line of credit because with a home equity line of credit, Let's talk about Australia. Australia is one of those countries where 80, 85% of citizens there use what's called a money merge account. Now, what is a money merge account? They call it a money merge account because it merges two products, one being your real estate and two being your operating account. They become one, right? So a home equity line of credit here in the United States is a money merge account. So not only are you financing your home, but that's also your operating account. That is your checking account. And since it's simple interest and allows money to move in and out freely 24 seven, you now get what's called 100% income utilization. So all of your resources and all of your cash can go towards the debt, but you're still liquid when you need to pay your bills. And since it's simple interest, every single day it's recasting automatically for free, you pay less interest, all of your right. money is attacking the debt. So 
what's most important? Folks focus on interest rate, thinking that interest rate is the end all be all. And again, that's what we've been educated and institutionalized to think that let's go what's chase the lowest that's, interest that's, rate. That's the magic question. So what's your rate? Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, and prior to Dodd-Frank, I used to ask folks, well, what is your rate of interest? And they would immediately say, well, my interest rate is this. I said, no, I didn't ask your interest rate. I asked about your rate of interest. And they didn't know. Rate of interest at the time is how much interest you're actually going to pay for financing it the way that you finance. After Dodd-Frank, they incorporated a term called total interest percentage, right? So if you're financing on a 30-year term at 3.5%, you're really paying 66% in interest. That's your total interest percentage. Right. Now, if somebody started off when you're asking for a loan and said, well, how much am I going to pay? And you say 66%, you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm moving on to somebody else, right? They don't start with that. They start with the interest rate that is your payment. Interest rate only dictates payment. Two things that are far more important than interest rate is time and balance. So I, I could explain that in mortgage terms. You could easily explain that in HELOC terms. But with the HELOC, you are able to attack time and balance far more efficiently than you can with a closed-in segregated income installment loan, which is a mortgage. Right. So for instance, it's like, okay, so what you're telling me is I have a property. It appraises for $240. I get an open line of credit for that $240. So I owe 100% of that $240, which is 80% of my value, right? Mm -hmm. My first payment is going to be mortgage interest only on the entire balance of 240, correct? Right. So if I'm using this as a checking account and I'm getting a paycheck every every week, I owe 240, I owe 239, I owe 238. So literally every time I get paid, my mortgage balance goes down. I'm not actually paying a payment. And now I just paid 10 payments and I have all this in my account. And now I need to buy a car and I need 10 grand. Well, I write myself a check and now I owe the interest on this much and I start paying it down every time mm -hmm. I get paid. Right. So that's, is that not how your house gets paid all five to seven years? Is that a good description of that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, because of simple interest, as the balance creeps down, the minimum payment drops, right? So on a mortgage, if you were to pay, accelerate your mortgage and reduce the balance on your mortgage, does your payment change? No. Therefore, your budget doesn't change. Correct. With the home equity line of credit, it's simple interest. So a lot of these HELOCs from banks, when you put money in, you attack balance first, interest is computed later. On a mortgage, you attack interest first, principal is computed later, right? Correct. So especially if any mortgage, but especially a 30-year term, it is front-loaded with interest. Why? Because most folks will refinance or sell every three to five years. So when you finance, the bank knows, hey, we need to get our profits first. So yeah. they front load that mortgage with interest. So when you're paying, you're really paying interest only. Where with a home equity line of credit, yes, your minimum payment is lower. It's interest only. But as you're attacking anything above and beyond that, the next day it computes for that day's interest charges. A mortgage does not do that because it's right. compounding interest. So... I also, I have one of these and mine personally, I have a checking account, a debit card and everything attached to it. Mm -hmm. So basically I keep my savings and everything in there just because I want to squish that interest down at all times. Mm -hmm. So I'm always keeping my cash, all of my savings, everything in my primary residence. So theoretically, yeah, it's paid off and I can walk away from it. But I also have $250,000 to use whenever I want to pay only interest yes. on, to buy other properties. Which for well, instance, I'm glad you mentioned that. out of it next week to do a, an apartment. 
Yep, that is the upside or downside. The upside is doing exactly what you're doing. You're buying cash flow assets. The downside is you could go buy a Bentley and then you start <laughs> and I don't know that Bentley's reducing value like a Mercedes or an Audi or, or whatnot, but you get my point. You, you could, you could use, utilize yeah. that money for anything you want. You could go to Vegas or you could go buy real estate. Yeah. It, it yeah. is liquid. Where or the mortgage, it's not liquid. Or something like that. There's, you know, it's just, you have to have, have financial literacy. You can't just have access to it and just use it for whatever you want. Right. And that's why we only accept roughly 30% of the folks that contact us. So oh. 70% of the folks that contact us, they are not the right fit for us. You cannot, this isn't a magical elixir, a magical pill. You know, our cliche term is it's math, not magic. So the only way to pay down principal is to pay down principal. The only way you can do that is if you've already mastered your budget and you have some level of discipline. Now it's different discipline than some might think because we're not asking you if you've already mastered your budget to go and live off rice and beans. We're asking you to avoid temptation, like what you're referring to. If you want to right. leverage your heat lock, do so for yeah, do so for financial gains. Go buy those cash flow assets as opposed to going and buy a car or something that could depreciate in value. Yeah, you, you're 100 percent right. You have to have financial literacy to do this. This yeah. is not for everyone. So who is everyone? Who is this for? Who is the right client? What characteristics? What is that criteria? So three things that we focus on. So everyone, you, you can't go to our website and just purchase our program. It's impossible. There's nowhere on our website where you can click a button and say, I'm going to pay Michael Lush to join this program. We have to do what's called a free consultation first or a, a discovery call. Mm -hmm. Three things that we focus on on those discovery calls is one, do you have sufficient credit? Because you don't have to have good credit to be educated but you do have to have decent credit to get a home equity line of credit, right? And if banks stop offering home equity lines of credit, well, then we cease to exist as a business because that's the, the one of the best financial tools that we're, we're explaining to use. So we want to make sure that you're a good fit for the banks too. So do you have a 680 credit score? Uh, number two, it used to be 10% equity, but during this pandemic, banks are starting to tighten their guidelines and go from 90% financing to 85 or 80. So now moving forward, we're at 20% equity. So do you have 20% equity in your home? Yep. And the number one thing is, are you cash flow positive? Now, that's not really a, a, a term that you can Google or, or Wikipedia. That is a, a redneck term that Michael Lush created. Cash flow positivity is really that margin between what your monthly income, net monthly income is, and what your expenses are. So are you already somebody who has mastered their budget and spending less than you make. You and have to have discipline first. You have to come yes. in already disciplined and know where you're going when you get that. Yes. Because you're no. not going to give it to somebody who's going to be irresponsible with it. That's not what this. It's not for that. Right. You're not going to. Yeah. A lot of folks are like, well, this this competes against Dave Ramsey. No, it's mm -hmm. an add-on to Dave Ramsey. Dave so Ramsey teaches budgeting. And I, so go I like, do that first. I do a lot of what Dave Ramsey does, an emergency account and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I just. I, I, I invest, so that's where everything goes. But yeah, I'll right. that. And what else yeah. is that? Those are the three main components. Those are the three. Uh, main I mean, if you want to, uh, if I screen share, I can kind of walk through a calculation. Um, all right, oh, I'd love to. Yeah, sure. All right, I don't have one. Michael, did let's this change the numbers here? This is. Mm -hmm. Does this strategies tend to work? Um, 
at a certain price point of houses better than the others in the sense of great question you um, have a million dollar property and pull a million dollars in equity out of it because i know that banks have line of credit limits because i've talked to a few of them mm -hmm. you know they're like hey we'll do we'll give you a line of credit but we won't give it for more than 250 grand or something so at that point it doesn't really matter what your equity stake is because like you know loan to value because you can't tap more than this amount with this lender or mm -hmm. vice versa so are there you know when you're working with your clients are there price points that you're thinking of or well, it's not necessarily price points. We, we do have a gauge on that. The biggest gauge is what is their cash flow positivity in relation to their debt load? Because there are plenty of banks out there that go into the millions for a home equity line of credit. You are right, though. A lot of banks put a limit on it, 250, 500,000. Uh, and the reason being, and, and this is one. One of the main reasons we exist as a business is if you were to try to do this on your own, you call a banker and say, hey, I want to get a first lien position, home equity line of credit for $550,000, and you owe $500,000, and the value of your home is $650,000. The banker's going to be like, why in the world do you think you can get a HELOC for $550,000 when you only have $100,000 worth of equity? Because they are thinking of it as a second lien position loan not a first lien position. So can you, you explain can, that? So like, what, is, what do you mean by first lien, second lien? What does that even mean? Well, think of it in, in terms of a mortgage. If you were to get a mortgage, the mortgage is in first lien position, right? Meaning and that means that yeah. if you default, that mortgage holder gets paid first. Yeah, they have first lien collateral rights to the home. Correct, okay. And we institutionally think of a HELOC because it's, home equity line of credit. So we think, all right, it's based, it's a loan based on the equity. But so is a mortgage. A mortgage right. is based on equity. Even at the at the point of purchase, if, if, you know, outside of USDA and VA, you have to put money down and have equity in order to get a mortgage, right? So a mortgage is based on equity too. But you're right, a, a mortgage primarily we think is, it's first lien collateral, right? So if something were to happen, the mortgage holder gets paid off first, and then the HELOC is usually above and beyond what we own the mortgage. Well, a HELOC can actually be in first lien position. And banks, if they think about it, they want to be in first lien position. It lowers their risk, which if you lower their risk, guess who they pass on the lower, for the most part, they lower the risk to you as the consumer. Yeah. So you can refinance, just like if you had an FHA loan and you wanted to refinance yeah. that to a conventional loan, because maybe now you've got 20% equity and you want the mortgage insurance to fall off. Sure. You refinance, does that mean that you can only get a conventional mortgage based on the equity you have to pay off that FHA? No, it's a refinance, right? You are substituting that original mortgage with a new mortgage. That's mortgage. all we're talking about here. That's all we're talking about here is, is a refinance from a mortgage and changing the mortgage to a home equity line of credit. But that causes a lot of brain freeze to bankers who think, well, you don't have enough equity for us to give you a loan over here to pay off this loan. So, no, you're thinking of it in second lien. We're talking in first lien. And that's one of the main reasons why we have a business is because we have relationships with thousands of banks. Uh, at this point, we've investigated over a thousand banks and credit unions, and we can direct so people to that. the banks. So that, mm -hmm. You join yours and you have now... Do your clients have access to all these bankers that you're talking? How does that even yes. work? Like how do they benefit off of that? 
Yeah. When you become a client and let's say you're in Louisiana and you are trying to refinance your mortgage into a, a, a first lien position home equity line of credit, we've gone through the jungle with a machete and cut down those trees so that you have a, a, a less path of resistance. And we've gone through and talked to individual bankers and said, this is what we're talking about. And we have 29 main questions that we ask. And when the bankers can't answer those questions, then we go into education mode and say, okay, now I need to talk to your supervisor or your supervisor, supervisor, because I can guarantee you nine out of 10 banks that we call and ask for a first lien position, they have no clue what that means. The banker does not. Now keep in mind, bankers are different than loan officers. Bankers are offering checking accounts, savings accounts, HELOCs, money market accounts. They're not an expert at any one thing. And, and I hate to, to kind of disparage bankers, but I'm just being honest that loan officers are experts at loans. So when you can't get approved, they try to think of creative ways to get you approved because if you don't close, you don't get paid. Guess what happens to a banker if you don't get approved for a HELOC? They still get paid. They're based on salary. There's not a lot of commissions in home equity lines of credits. A lot of banks don't even offer commissions in home equity lines of credit. So sure. they are not an expert, right? So we go through that process and educate and get contacts as much as we possibly can in each bank and credit union so that if you're in Louisiana, in Shreveport, Louisiana, and you're like, hey, I need a handful of banks that I can call and talk to that already know what I'm trying to do. And they're not going to give me grief and say, no, you shouldn't do that. You should get a mortgage. And here's why, blah, blah, blah. So we've already spent uh, thousands of hours doing that. It, it roughly takes three hours per bank for us to add a bank to our list. Uh, and then you add all, to our so company. basically then you have it broken down where some lenders are offering certain things. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I see a lot of posts like, Hey, I'm looking for X. And then you mm -hmm. have a list of people that they call. It makes it really easy because they already know the questions yep. and I already have the questions answered. So I would just send the loan officers my questions. Correct. Yeah. You can send it ahead of time, have that banker fill out that questionnaire send it back to you. And then you can sit there and comparison shop on your own. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many variables. What, what people don't realize is that mortgages are government controlled. So the guidelines on mortgages are roughly the same. I don't care if you're in New York, Florida, or California, your guidelines are roughly the same. Your expertise and service level of that loan officer may vary from institution to institution, but the guidelines are the same. HELOCs, entirely different animal. I could talk to just here in middle of Tennessee, I could talk to four banks. One is based on LIBOR. One is based on treasury bill. One is based on, on prime rate. Out of those three, which is most efficient, which makes more sense. Also, what is the floor rate? What is the ceiling rate? Um, it, floor rate is ex extremely important right now because rates have plummeted. And then there are some clients who got a HELOC with a bank that their floor rate was the same as their start rate. Well, yeah. what happens when rates go down? Nothing. They didn't gain more efficiency. Right. And that's one of the beauties of having a variable rate HELOC is when rates go down and they plummet like they have. And, and that's the thing about variable. When people hear variable, not all HELOCs are variable. Some are fixed and some are hybrids. But when people hear variable, they think, oh, rates are going to go up. Why? Because of one event, 1981, savings and loan crisis. Rates skyrocketed. 
That's the only reason that people are scared of variables because their parents said, don't ever do a variable, rates will skyrocket on you. Right. That doesn't happen in our lifetime. I was three years old when that happened. It's like almost watching a stock. Two. I was two. You know, uh, you, you can watch your payment like go down or up every month. Right. I mean, you, you look at from 2008, rates plummeted and stayed low until 2015 and they tripled up a little bit. And it, what's happened in the last now 11 months? Plummeted again. Now there's talks of negative interest rates. I don't think it's going to happen, but now we're talking about going into negative territory. Variable means that you can gain efficiencies when rates go down too. And rates are going to stay low for a long period of time. But if you don't feel that way and you want the comfort of a fixed rate HELOC, you can get that. You can get the benefit of both. You could say, I want to fix a portion of it and I want a portion to be variable so that I can move money in and out freely. You get the benefit yeah, of both you want to. Um, I think you can, sometimes you can get your variable rate, but it caps both ways mm -hmm. or caps yep. one way. So show us what you have on the screen here. Let's do this yeah. illustration. Yeah. So let's say, you know, we've got somebody at 350,000 interest rate of 5%, which right now HELOCs are you know, easily 2% lower than this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to be conservative here. And yeah. let's run also assume, numbers. what's that? Yeah. Run high numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, rate change per year. This isn't saying that the rate will go down a half a percent. This is saying that rates will go up a half a percent every single year. That is very aggressive. And in fact, we have seen that. Uh, payoff gold, this is almost irrelevant. It doesn't really change because we do consult businesses at time. They can divert cash flow from one department over to another. So sometimes when they want to say, well, we want to pay off this business line of credit in four years, then we'll put 48 months in here. But you, if you go to our website, you have to put a number in here in order for this calculator to work. So let's say net monthly income is $7,000 and then monthly expenses are four grand. Now, here's where I need to stop and explain this because when folks think four grand, we'll also have a mortgage payment. Not anymore because if you refinance your mortgage, you don't have a mortgage payment. So this is expenses outside of your mortgage payment. This is utilities, gas, groceries, eating out, vacation. And again, this is why it's important to understand what your budget is. Because if you go into this consultation, yeah, and you don't know what you're really spending, well, then we're going to get false numbers. And we don't know if you should be the client or you shouldn't be. So 4000 bucks annual fee. Some banks charge an annual fee for HELOC, some don't. It's such a low number, it doesn't even disrupt the math. But if you added a mortgage payment, you know, 350, what are we looking at? $2,300 mortgage payment, roughly? Yeah. So basically, this is almost paycheck to paycheck, right? So think about that. 4,000, if I add 2,300 to this, you're at $6,300. You're only cash flow positive 700 bucks, if that. You're not saving a whole lot of money. But on a mortgage, you've got 360 months. But if you see here at 208 months, you're, you're done. Now, that's not our average. Our average is five to seven years. But I just wanted to show an extreme example of somebody basically living paycheck to paycheck is still getting their home paid off in 208 months. So 208 months is roughly 18 years. So 18 years. So you save 12 years versus a 30 year mortgage. Now, and that's like your worst case scenario. That's like pandemics. That's your market crashes. That's your everything. Your worst case. Yeah. I mean, outside of this, you're, you're, you're on the you're on the track of going bankrupt, to be honest with you. Because sure. anything worse than this, outside of paycheck to paycheck, you're going into a deficit. Yep. If you're going into a deficit, there's only so long that you can withstand a deficit and eventually you have to file bankruptcy. But let's show what, what typical reality is. I mean, let's let's go, you know, 8,500. 
Now we're at $1,500 more. And it just shows how powerful it is to be cash flow positive because just an additional $1,500 a month. And in our course, we show you how to free up an additional $1,600 a month for the average person, whether it be tax refunds, because tax refunds are bad, don't get them. Um, you know, other scenarios of, of how to properly finance things so that you can free up more cash flow, you know, another 1500 bucks. Now you're at 100 months which is uh, eight years. So in eight years, 350,000, and this is household income of 8,500, monthly expenses of 4,000. And again, on a highlight, you start off with a bad rate. Your rate is always going up on you instead of going down like it has all of our clients, you know, because I started this in 2014, 2015, 16, rates started going up and then now rates are plummeting. So for the, you know, 90% of our clients are now enjoying instead of rates going up, almost 5,000 clients, rates are going down. And what, what's happening, they're gaining efficiencies. So this is assuming rates always go up, never flatten out, never go down. This also assumes that you never make more money. You don't right. get a pay raise. You don't get a bonus. You never become, you never get a side hustle. You never get into real estate or anything else that, that most millionaires get into. You, you don't have any other streams of income. You never make more money. And yeah, you never save more money. Up. Yeah. So your monthly expenses never change. Now think about that. You know, as you're going through this, you're, you're building equity extremely fast. As you can see, you know, two years in, you've knocked off almost a hundred thousand dollars of equity. Well, if you have a hundred thousand dollars of equity, but you still have a car loan, pay off yeah. the car. You will gain yeah. efficiency. I almost don't care what the interest rate is on the car loan because it's an installment loan, right? So for every $10,000 you borrow, on a home equity line of credit is roughly $40 a month. Now think about it. If you got a $30,000 car loan, that's $120 a month to your home equity line of credit minimum payment. But what is your car payment if it's $30,000? $550? Five, yeah, five, $600. Yeah, but let's say $550. Well, now you've increased your monthly budget by that difference. So $120 to $550 is $430, right? $120 bucks. So $430 that now that 430 is going towards principal. You actually accelerate the process by rolling in a car loan. Cause some people think, well, I don't want to roll in a car loan that I'll pay off in three years because it's going to take me, you know, six years to, to pay off the HELOC, roll it in, watch what the math does. You actually pay off everything faster because cash flow positivity is keen. So yep. again, we're just working with some conservative numbers cool. here and I've got, that have done it as fast as 11. Uh, I've got some paycheck to paycheck type, you know, newly married first time home buyers, 19 years. But you know what? 19 years is way better than 30. Yeah, that's great. So let's uh, let's unshare your screen for a second. And that's let's talk to the real estate investors because I know people are asking, can I use these for my rental properties or my properties? Is that a good idea? What is the difference? How do I determine mortgage HELOC? Yeah. Now, sometimes, yes. And this is why, again, this is not a magical elixir or a magical pill that fixes everything. This doesn't mean go take all your properties and put them on. Picture. It yeah. on everything. Correct. The number one thing that we focus on is the HELOC becomes your operating account. And 100% of your resources and cash flows goes towards that one account, right? When you start getting into multiple HELOCs, thinking that I'm going to attack multiple accounts at the same time, then you do 
what's no different than what the banking system taught you to do, which is to segregate your income. And when you segregate your income, you become less efficient. So if you have multiple HELOCs, you're, you're now playing that payment strategy game as opposed to a cash flow game. So a lot of times it does not make sense to put a HELOC onto a rental property because you're not going to attack. You can't say, I'm going to put 100% of resources here. Oh no, I want to put, you can't. It's either 100 and zero. Yeah. It's yes. not 50 and 50. So this is very a snowball thing. Yeah, it's very geared exactly. for your primary residence. Now, um, yes, it, I, it's, I say it's snowball. It, it is it's no different than debt reduction snowball. The sure. the reason why I say primary it, that's an emotional reason. You're talking to an individual who went to the, the the top of the food chain in the subprime mortgage world, and then like that, lost me and my wife lost all of our income, so we went broke. Right, lost our house, bankrupt cars, you name it. It was embarrassing. It was horrible. And it was one of the reasons, you know, when I got back on my feet and started making some decent money, my wife was pregnant. I'm like, that's not happening again. Not with a wife and kids. No. So it forced me to figure out that life hack. Right. Need to figure out that life hack. So I focus on primary residence because it's emotional for me. Mathematically, you should attack the highest cost of funds first. So if you had a HELOC on an investment property, typically the banks want to charge you higher rates and terms and conditions on that. So that, you know, mathematically, you should focus on that first, then go to the cheapest cost of funds later. Right. So I just want to lock down the household. Something I did was almost like, so here's something I did that could, a lot of people could probably do. I almost did the burst strategy. So where I, instead of doing a refinance, I just pulled an open line. So for instance, you know, my house is worth a hundred or whatever. I get 80 grand. So now what I do is I'll use that to purchase other properties. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much, since I'm not using the cash flow strategy, when I get lump sums from other properties, I immediately pay it back. Yeah. There's exceptions to it. In my mind, there's two exceptions. One access to equity. So that you can re-leverage to acquire more cash flow assets. The more cash flow you have, the faster you speed up this process. So absolutely, if you need to access some equity to invest properly, like what you're doing, absolutely. The other one is, let's say, it, when it comes down to payment efficiency, sometimes a HELOC is more payment efficient than a mortgage. Not always. So here's an example. Let's say you had a HELOC on a property and the payment, the interest only payment is 600 bucks versus your $1,200 mortgage. Cool get a HELOC because now you can divert 600 back to the main operating account and speed up that process. However, let's say you had a HELOC that had an interest only payment of a thousand and your mortgage payment was 1200, depending on where you were at in that amortization schedule, that mortgage may have been applying 500 towards principal where the HELOC pays nothing towards principal. Keep the mortgage. So you have to analyze each property separately. So those are the two exceptions, access to capital or what makes most payment efficient. Yeah, I was actually able to pull a HELOC, two HELOCs on two properties with negative cash flow because of a relationship I have with the bank. And what I did was I didn't care about the rates. I just filled all the highest and I just paid all of it on the lowest rate. Mm-hmm. Right. I basically just paid each all the loans, each other off and just mm-hmm. left one big loan for everything at the lowest rate. Yep. Or you're just shifting debt basically and trying to uh, yeah right basically try and get your yield on the lowest interest rate 
Yeah, so it brings instead my of the yield working for the down as low as possible. Yeah. Basically, in track. and let instead of the bank getting the yield. I mean, basically, this is what this does, Michael. Is and instead of the bank getting the most amount of yield possible because our income is diversified, we're allowing ourselves to to save some of that money and then pay down our own our own debt service. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not like we're being scammed. We're being told this up front. We're being told through the loan estimate or the truth in lending. A HELOC, you're going to get disclosures that are still near tr traditional truth in lending. We're on a mortgage. It's now the loan estimate. They are telling us on page three of the loan estimate or on the front page of the truth in lending that you're buying one home for you and one home for the bank if you do a mortgage on a 30-year. Yeah. Now, 10-year, that's always the argument. Well, what if I did a 10-year? You know, I could do a 10-year mortgage at 3%. And, you know, how, how does that compete? It's close, right? But here's the thing. Are you ever going to put 100% of your income towards your mortgage? No. Yeah, that, well, then if you can't put 100% of your income towards your mortgage, it's not going to compete with the HELOC. But on, even if you did, even if you were insane enough to say for 120 months, I'm going to take everything that I possibly have above and beyond my mortgage payment and put it back into it, which means you cannot have any emergencies, no hiccups, nothing for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Then you come pretty close to what a HELOC does, but you have no liquidity, none. Yeah. And here's yeah. what I know about being broke and having money is when I was broke, I didn't see any opportunities. I didn't know they existed because even if they did, I didn't have the capital to execute on them, right? Where when you do have liquidity and you have capital, opportunities present themselves every single week. And we can re-leverage just like how to say. Says. Yeah. You're right, man. Well, dude, this is awesome, man. Is there anything, where could people find you? Is there any last um, things you want to say about the mortgage? How can people get involved? Yeah. You know, what we've been talking about is ways to uh, execute a HELOC in, in times that we can thrive. What rarely gets talked about is how we execute a HELOC in times that we need to survive. Which is? And right now in the pandemic, yeah, there are 30, what is it, over 30 million, 36 million people are now unemployed. Yeah. So some people need to execute in times or prepare themselves for times that they need to survive. Yeah. And here's what we now know. We didn't know this in 2014. We didn't know it in 2015. But in 2016, when we started getting approached by hedge funds, we were giving data from these hedge funds of what happened in the last recession. Now, I'm not saying that this is similar to the last recession. This is entirely different, but there was massive foreclosures in the last recession. And what rose through the ashes of that inferno of the best paper that hedge funds wanted to invest in, believe it or not, was first lien position home equity lines of credit. Yeah, because the they had a lower default price. rate. Yeah. Well, it's not just, yeah, they're lower risk because they've been paying it down, right? So their balance at the point of an economic event, they have a lower balance, but they also have ability to use that. It's a line of credit. They can draw on it for income. You know, if you get the proper HELOC, you don't even have to make a payment. If you have enough equity, the bank will make the payment for you. So a lot of the folks out there that are 62 and over are going towards a reverse mortgage. Yeah. A reverse mortgage, for a, a reverse mortgage for a loan officer, a mortgage loan officer is the holy grail. Why? Because the commissions are massive. You could do a $200,000 reverse mortgage and it pay you 15 grand. Think about now, how many reverse mortgages you want to do if it pays you 15 grand. Where does that money in, in commission come from? Profits. 
Profits don't arise out of thin air. There's a reason why the reverse mortgages are profitable. I can show you how you can create your own reverse mortgage without being 62. If you got enough equity, 20% equity, you can create your own reverse mortgage for $0. And it's a simple home equity. That's the only reason a reverse mortgage works is there's one component in it that makes it tick. And it's called a home equity line of credit. You could do it on your own. And I can show you how to do that. So that's what I'm now teaching folks that we're in a pandemic. You can have a first lien position home equity line of credit and it can feed your family. It can feed you. It can be a source of income while you weather this storm. And if you've got, let's say, $100,000 of, of equity and you've got $4,000 of income and $3,000 of expenses, which means you're, you're paycheck to paycheck, it will feed you for over two years. Now, in two years, you can get back on your feet. We're not going to be in this for two years. Right. So that's something that is very little talked about. That we talk about a HELOC to, to build wealth. It's that insurance policy, too, that if you need to fall back on it, you've been doing it the right way. That's why folks in 2008, 2009 had 115 times more default rate than folks with a mortgage. And that's why the hedge funds have come out of the woodwork saying, where's all the paper for first lien HELOCs? We want to buy it. Yeah, that's awesome. So where could people find you if they want to get in your program and get hooked up with that also? Yeah, so... First and foremost, we have tons of free information on YouTube. So go to Replace Your Mortgage on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel of 53 videos that kind of goes through the basics. I encourage folks to watch that first. Once they've watched those videos and gotten the basics and the foundation of what we're talking about, then book a free discovery call with us. So if you go to www.replaceyourmortgage.com forward slash discover, then you can book a 45-minute consultation with us. It's free. And what we're going to do is we're going to determine what your debt-free date is. And if this makes the most sense for you, and if it doesn't make sense for you, we're going to give you some homework on what to do and come back to us in three, six months. And we'll see if it makes the most sense for you then. Yep. That's the YouTube channel. Awesome. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. I will point out, I get ragged on that. You see where I've got the black shirt under the I never do that. But for that photo shoot, I had a black shirt underneath it. You wouldn't believe how many people on Instagram and Facebook ripped me apart. Like, Why? What kind of fashion sense have you got? You got a black shirt. Yeah, I wear black t-shirts under all of my shirts. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, well, everyone. I never, I have no white t-shirts. I don't anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that. No idea. I yeah. have nothing about fashion. Look, I'm wearing a blazer and a t-shirt. Come on. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, man, it has been a pleasure. I've learned a ton. I'm so happy to be part of the program. I've used it. And please reach out to myself. To, maybe we can talk specifics and like have a conversation about how this could work for you. All the people I've sold houses to in the last three years, you, you are the people that this is for. You, um, you, anybody can do this. It's ridiculous. But I just appreciate it, guys. So hit, hit us up, find us on YouTube. Episode 13, Michael Lush. David, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Dude, always love it. Thank you, Michael, for your time, man. It's been yeah, great. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Have a wonderful day, guys. Bye -bye. See you guys.